passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, last night on Raw. Last night, the McMahon family ushered in a new era, an era of change, an era of progression, a fresh start for the WWE, and a fresh start here for SmackDown Live. As we said, you're going to be seeing a lot of new faces, a lot of new matchups, and of course, a lot more opportunity. One thing I have to say, I would like to thank our formal general manager, Paige. So without further ado, Paige, please come up here. Paige, on behalf of the entire SmackDown Live roster, the crew, and the entire WWE Universe, I'd like to say thank you very much for your enormous contributions here. She's not going anywhere, just the role has changed. So again, Paige, thank you so very much. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I am John Pollock, a rejuvenated John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting to go through tonight's episode of SmackDown. No mixed match challenge this week, Wei. This feels so early that we're chatting. It feels weird. Feels like I'm missing out on my um, uh, dance breaks. I guess extended dance breaks and other otherwise, uh, um, you know, funny punny names between men and women, but. Uh, it's all right. It's okay. I will take the extra extra um, sleep, as I'm sure we can I'm do. Sure, I'm, I'm sure you will right now. We can take a dance break, way if if you feel like you're missing out on something. No, it's okay. We'll dance with our uh, analysis. Okay. Well, we're not going to dance around any subjects. We're going to dive right into everything. Before we do, uh, as always, lots going on at the post office, and we want to let everybody know about some things that are going on this week. First of all, the Christmas Jingle Contest. The deadline is Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern to get all of your submissions in. You can do so at forum.postwrestling.com. If that fails, you can email john, J-O-H-N, at postwrestling.com with your submission. Uh, We've already got a number of them, but Thursday at 11 a.m. is the deadline. Also, I wanted to make mention of something that I don't think we've made enough of, Way, and that is the, the ongoing... Month of December at the Post Wrestling Store. Do you want to allow everyone in on the secret of what is going on this entire month? It's not much of a secret. I mean, uh, but um, I guess it is because we haven't really talked about it uh, on every show. But uh, yeah, store.postwrestling.com. If you are a Post Wrestling Cafe patron, which means if you are a supporter of our Patreon at uh, any level, uh, you can have 20% off of any item in the store for the month of December, and that includes our new toques. A lot of people learning what toques are for the first time, I feel, this month. Yeah, 
I think we should send three to the riot squad. Uh, that's right. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know if they would know. So on Wednesday night, we are going to be doing a special live stream. If you are a double-double, ice cap, or espresso member of the cafe, you can tune in live to watch the best of 2018 show. It will be myself, Wei Ting, Braden Harrington, and Davey Portman. So double-double or higher, you can watch it live Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Otherwise, you can catch that show for free when it is released on Friday uh, for everybody to download. And that takes the place of the Cafe Hangout this week, where we won't be doing a Cafe Hangout this week. Instead, we'll be bringing you our recording of the best of Wednesday night. Yes. So you can tune into that Wednesday night. And then rest of the week, we have Up Next coming out on Thursday. Best of show on Friday. New Eggshells will be out on Saturday, where it will be John Carroll joining Chris Charlton to chat 2015 as we get ever so close to present day New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then, of course, on Monday will be our annual Christmas show that will be dropping on Christmas Eve. So you know how to spend your multiple hours on Christmas Eve. And it might not be watching Raw. Uh, I, I, sure. Yeah. I, I, or, or watch both. You can put us on as you watch uh, Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin go at it. I think that's a great way to spend your evening. Uh, before we get to news, John, I don't know if you were planning on getting to news. But before we do that, we... Want to give away a T-shirt to one of our patrons? Yes, I, I definitely wanted to to get to this because I have uh, I have worked up my my immune system, my vocal cords, and I am ready for the drum roll. Just say when. When. Congratulations to Jesse Kempinar. Jesse Kempinar from. Do I know where you're from? From Edmonton, Alberta. Jesse Kempinar. You win a post-wrestling combo back consisting of a t-shirt, stickers, and a signed postcard from John and myself. So uh, send me a message via Patreon or Twitter or wherever to claim your prize. Congratulations, Jesse. And we do this every week. If you are a member of the cafe, your name is in the draw to win a post-wrestling prize pack each and every week out of the goodness of Wei Ting's heart, who just he – lo- he loves to – Give give in this not just this time of year, every time of year. Sure, You're a model citizen. Thanks. All right, moving on to news. Raw's viewership way up sixteen percent from last week. They did two two million five hundred and forty seven thousand viewers. It was their highest since September seventeenth, a three month high for the show. I think that we can largely attribute this to the return of Vince McMahon to television and the curiosity of what shaking things up would entail. Um, I don't know how much of this will be uh, mean anything the next two weeks of the show, uh, but who knows? Um, Do you take this? I mean, it was up. It did decrease throughout the night, as does every episode of Raw, but it, it was up. It was up by... You know, a notable portion, more than just coming off a pay-per-view. I think that Vince McMahon, once again, did make a difference here. Yes, I think so. And I don't really look into it too much beyond, I think, the curiosity of what they were trying to promote here. The fact that it wasn't just Vince McMahon appearing for no reason, but it was Vince McMahon appearing to supposedly signify some major change that was going to take place in the in the company. And I think it garnered a lot of people's interest, including my own. The question will be if those same people left satisfied after watching this episode. And 
I would suggest to you that, at least from my perspective, I came I, and then I was very much disappointed. I cannot believe, as we are recording this show, they are recording a second episode of SmackDown. Do you know what that crew has gone through in three nights when you consider the five-hour TLC, two three-hour episodes of Raw on Monday, two episodes of SmackDown tonight, and I presume they're doing two episodes of 205 Live on top of that. They did at least one. I feel if ever there was a week to do a best of, it would be next week for 205 Live. But that is an incredible amount of television slash pay-per-view in three nights. It's a lot, but I mean, that's the sacrifice they have to make if they want to have Christmas off, right? You know, I, I'm sure they understand. I'm sure the video crew that's there. And I I would suggest that it, it actually might be most taxing on the audience who are actually paying to watch all of this. So uh, I think everybody understands the circumstances involved and would much rather do this than to have to go to work next week. Um, just a few quick things. Just on the NXT call-ups, uh, I was asking about this today. These apparently are the only call-ups that they're planning, at least for the time being, is the the six that they announced on on Monday's Raw. And the thinking was they were looking at people that had strong characters and ones that have kind of done all they can do in NXT. They, they want to have uh, certain talent there in NXT that they can still draw with on the road. So when you're looking at those those top end guys, that seems to be the thinking. And there, there's lots of people on creative that would love to have all of those top guys, but that's it, it's ultimately doesn't come down to you know the creative team that gets to decide that. But that's kind of the thinking because I know that some people are curious why these ones are coming up versus other ones, but that's that's how it was described to me. Um, but I know you probably uh, addressed this on on Monday, but. Is there any specific uh, of the six that you feel really stands out way that's going to be successful with this call up among the others? Well, first of all, an answer like that to me just reads as like, we don't see anything more for these guys in NXT. And, you know, maybe the main roster will have better luck for them, but NXT certainly doesn't want them. Or at least they're they're not uh, expecting that much more from them is how I took that answer. And uh, looking at the bunch, certainly you know Lars Sullivan. I think already even before this this quote unquote shakeup was already destined to have a big big role, and I don't expect that to change. I think Lacey Evans will do really well as well in the women's division. If I think given you know um, uh, the character, I think remains to be seen how well that will translate to the main roster. Um, but I think you know. She, she's got all the tools, I think, to succeed. Um, EC3, I think, is also a really interesting one because um, somebody who I feel, you know, uh, many years ago would be much more suited uh, to, to be a top star in, in wrestling. But now, I think um, as a babyface, it's going to be really tough for him without the ability to go in the ring. We're seeing the same thing with Elias right now, who, you know, a very entertaining promo, but when it's time to actually connect with the audience in the ring, he, he is not able to do that. And I kind of see the same thing with EC3, uh, where he will probably stumble at that point, but maybe as a heel, he could be a very effective one. Yeah, I feel that EC3 is going to be given a big opportunity. I can see him being uh, someone that they feature prominently, at least uh, out of the gate, and we'll see how he succeeds. But even in the the video package that they presented on Monday, I thought that, you know, he really was 
like Lars Sullivan, you know, is going to get the big push out of the gate, but I can see EC3 getting one as well, depending on wh- whichever show he he ends up on. And with heavy machinery, I mean, I mean, we'll get into it on SmackDown here. We'll see how focused they are on their tag division. They have so many tag teams that it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle. And, you know, I'd say the same for, for Nikki Cross to try and get a bit of a, to get a television time. It's, it's going to be, it's difficult. There's just, there's so many bodies on the main roster that as you bring up all these new faces, it's not like you're getting rid of people. It's just the roster is that much more, you know, loaded with, with, talent that inevitably not everybody's going to get television time and you're going to start to forget about people and then uh, writing promos for them stating that they haven't been on television since August. All right, well, let's go into SmackDown from Tuesday night. They were in Fresno, California at the Save Mart Center, and it started off with a team meeting led by Shane McMahon, who gathered all the wrestlers together with the words, yo, listen up, here we go. He brought up Raw from Monday night, and everybody booed. Ugh, that show sucks. He says that they ushered in a new era on Monday, and we are listening. We must create the best possible product for the WWE Universe. And now the talent, they all applauded this. Yes, we must do this. Did you catch what Xavier Woods and Big E were eating? I did not. What was it? They looked to be eating, like... These small steaks, like some kind of meat. And I only bring this up because Xavier was eating this right in front of Daniel Bryan, who was standing right next to him. And it it was the only thing I could focus on. What was he eating? It wasn't a pancake. It looked like meat. Hmm. There's something for everybody to go research. Then Shane brought Paige out, thanked her for her contributions, said she isn't going anywhere, but her role is changing. He introduced. So, what do you think that means? He for introduced Paige? her as the former general manager. So, this was a really odd way to fire somebody. By uh, everyone gave her an applause, and she she seems so happy. I've never seen someone so happy to find out that uh, she's been fired. Yeah. The the, and I don't know where she goes from this. Like a manager. Hmm, yeah, I mean, I'm sure she would love to know, too. Um, I think she was in a really good spot, and she was very good. She I ended thought. up doing a very good job by the time she really got comfortable in, in this role. Um, it, it hasn't even been a year yet. Now, um, I feel like a manager's role might be best for her, but uh, she's already done that. But that's not to say she, she can't do it again, because... You know, I, I, it's hard for me to think about what else, what other role there could be other than, you know, commentator. I think she could be potentially. That's what I thought, too. Commentary yeah. could be something that if they, they have a woman on Raw, they want a woman on SmackDown. Yeah, possible. So, yeah, that, it was a very strange start to the show. And, I mean, the way this started, it, you felt like, well, Shane is still running SmackDown. But then later we would get Vince McMahon on the show. So one night... After stating there would be no more absentee management, uh, Stephanie McMahon and Hunter skipped the show. I think that whole um, the structure of, of who exactly is in control of what is still very much in flux, um, and I'm I, I don't know if we'll really ever get it explained. But we know that Vince McMahon 
is in charge of everything or presumably is. Shane seems to be able to go between both brands. Does that does this mean Hunter and Steph have any jurisdiction over SmackDown? Uh hard to I have no idea. I don't know if they know either. Well, into the show we go. Uh Tom Phillips calls this opening a great moment for SmackDown Live. Sure, I guess. Becky comes out. She says she doesn't care who is running the show because the man is in charge. She doesn't do meetings very well. The real business is conducted out here. She wants Ronda Rousey. She came to her and tapped her in the locker room before Survivor Series. But Ronda snuck in when she was on a ladder, calling her a Roddy Piper cosplayer. And before she can continue, Charlotte Flair comes out and told Becky to take a number and stand behind the queen because Ronda stole her opportunity. And the days of you looking up to me are then, now, and forever. The most awkward insertion of this WWE tagline, which we got from Vince McMahon on Monday night, and we got from Charlotte here as well. And then she starts counting off the number of times she's been women's champion. And had she won on Sunday, she would have been an eight-time women's champion. That's ridiculous. It's a lot, yeah. Asuka's out next. She says, forget Ronda, because Asuka's the champion now. Charlotte and Becky start insulting her. Then they argue with one another, and Vince McMahon comes out. He wishes everyone a happy holidays. He congratulates Asuka, and he says, Becky and Charlotte are making excuses. They were involved in a TLC match, and Ronda warned them. So Vince tells both of them, get over it. And he's about to make a title match when Naomi interrupts to state that Charlotte has had her opportunities. Becky is no longer champion, so I want it. And that was enough for Vince McMahon to make the match. Asuka versus Naomi for the women's title. Well, in the, in the new era, John, I think uh, um, structure and rankings are completely out the window. That's not how... You know, that was, I think, the thing that was really holding back this product. The fact that championships all of a sudden, you know, earning championships, that's that's just a waste of time. But Naomi versus Asuka, these two are tag team partners. I think I would have liked a bit more reference to that relationship, you know. I didn't even remember. I had no idea. I totally forgot they were tag partners during yeah. all this. <laughs> like, I think, I think if Naomi came out here and said something to the effect of, like, you know, Asuka, uh, you know, I, I've been I've been teaming with you this whole time. Uh, you've never really given me an opportunity. I even helped you prepare for such and such. Uh, how about you give me the first shot at that title? Just something like that to call reference to, you know, the months and months of, of relationship building that they, they conducted between these two would have been uh, a, a bit more natural and a, and a bit more believable. I, I thought they did the same thing on Raw where... Rhonda is coming out. She's admitting she's not 100%, but she's going to defend her title. Who wants the shot? And all the women are screaming. They want the shot. They come out with Stephanie, including Natalia, like her best friend. It's like, what a what a shitty friend. Mm, yeah, I mean, I could buy that even if you're friends with somebody, you'd want a, a, a shot at their belt. You know, in the end, that's what they're all there for. Uh, but it's just, to me, important to at least make mention of it. Like, she was just one of the other women, and they're all just scratching to get at Rhonda. And there's no explanation of it at all. It's just, oh, well. Uh, but anyway, that was similar here, I guess. Um, I don't know about you. 
I, w- I, I thought Becky was cutting a really great promo. I enjoyed the stuff with Charlotte. But as soon as Vince McMahon came out, I really didn't like how Becky came off in this. She came off as whiny and it was like Vince McMahon just dismissed these two for like this, like these petty arguments and excuses that they're making. And I didn't like seeing Becky in that light. I think the, the script probably called for Charlotte and, uh, uh, and Becky to, to look that way so that Vince could come in and step in and say, Hey, like stop arguing children. You know, this is the way it should be. I think it would have been a lot worse though. Had it been Stephanie, um, at the very least, Vince to me comes across a bit more like a, uh, somebody who's just there to kind of deliver a message and not necessarily put themselves ahead of the talent that's involved here. Nonetheless, I mean, I see your point. Maybe not the best, uh, uh, you know, way to, to treat somebody as important as Becky right now. So Naomi stating, I want it was enough to get her the title match and. We got our women's title match with Asuka and Naomi. David Otunga still on commentary. And Tom Phillips stumbles over trying to remember Vince McMahon's title. And then later, Graves broke his balls about it for the flub. We have Charlotte and Becky seated ringside like they had won a contest from Doritos. And Asuka applied an ankle lock. Naomi rolled out of it. Asuka got this octopus submission on in the corner but then starts talking shit to the women on the floor and ends up taking a Russian leg sweep off the middle rope onto the canvas then we went into uh, all these different near falls Naomi went for a split legged moonsault landing on the knees so Asuka goes for the Asuka lock and Naomi had all these counters for the Asuka lock she kicked off the turnbuckle then Asuka reverses again going for it and Naomi is able to get to her feet then she hits the rear view which is the big near fall and I don't know. I I can't I can't see this rear view being taken as a significant title winning maneuver. But I guess she's won the title in the past with this thing. Has she? Well, she was the champion. I assume she she won the title with the rear view. I mean, I could be wrong. Um I just thought like for a near fall, especially on Asuka, this rear view just didn't seem like the most lethal of maneuvers that was going to keep Asuka down. Then Naomi went for a springboard, was caught with a code breaker for a near fall, and then Asuka finally got the Asuka lock applied, and Naomi tapped out. Yeah. For a match between two tag team partners, I thought this was a little disappointing. I thought it didn't really have any heat, and not really any moments that caught my attention, nor really made me invested to want to see a title change or anything like that. I just didn't think it was that good of a match. Yeah, the the heat was an issue. I I thought throughout this show, to be honest, um, and perhaps that's because of the carbon footprint uh, that was brought up in in Fresno. But um, yeah, this seemed like they had the formula down of getting into the near falls, and I don't think the audience was necessarily into it as much as they had envisioned. I didn't think this was a bad match, but yeah, not a great match, and especially when you're coming off that TLC show where you had a really really great outing. Uh, from the women. And I just thought the setup was just a little awkward that Naomi just got into this. And I think it's just trying to present different challengers and getting like, that's what they're stating, getting different faces onto the show. And that seems to be what this whole show is about. Different people getting into, um, into roles on the show. The Miz knocked on Vince McMahon's door and Vince McMahon comes out. And I don't know if this guy was just improving it, he starts asking Miz, what kind of a knock was that? Was that a baby knock? 
was that a little boy's knock or was that a man's knock? And I don't know what Miz was thinking, but he was just trying to get on to the promo. Gosh. He says he's asked. He's asking about Shane McMahon. Vince says, Shane cannot come out to play right now. Miz says that the two are going through trust issues. And he tells Vince how loyal he is to the company and that him and Shane could be the best team in the world. And says, sir, I'm a worthy partner for your son. I'm just asking for your blessing. Vince McMahon does not believe in blessings. And he's going to make a match to see how good the Miz is uh, with a mystery tag partner. And a mystery team. And then he shuts the door in the Miz's face. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon can be incredibly awkward on television. And that's what I would uh, chalk this segment up as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say maybe like especially older Vince McMahon who uh, I think be- maybe perhaps due to infrequent appearances on TV feels a little bit rusty. Uh, especially if he's given the freedom to improvise, which he might have had here. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna yell cut on that? Yeah. Kayla Braxton was with Rusev and Lana. Rusev stated he's the definition of a superstar. He crushed Nakamura. He's handsome. He has big biceps. Goes over his beard, and then he shows Nakamura on an eight by ten, looking like Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's gonna get his United States title. And he left, and Lana just looked at Kayla. Stood there for the promo and then followed Rusev out of the shot. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see Rusev talk more. And that seems to be what this current push is for, is to try to get Rusev's voice and personality out there. He's been trying a new promo style. I felt like the last one he did about food, to me, came across a lot better than this one. This one, to me, felt a little bit forced. I mean, I think it's great that Rusev is trying something new. But I think lana just standing there not saying a word feels really weird because we know she's an excellent promo and i think you could still have rusev talk practicing while having lana kind of pick up some promo time within it just to really help make up for rusev's shortcomings and to ultimately make a better point and a better uh i would say you know impact on on the viewer at home jeff hardy came out they were promoting that samoa joe would be apologizing Hardy said that some of what Joe has said is true. He has made mistakes. But that is then and this is now. And the crowd cheered. Joe comes out and he says this is an intervention. Everyone's worried about Jeff during the holidays and whether his demons will come back and control him. Jeff says, the more that you remind me, the more it, the more it reminds me that I will never go back to that. Me and my demons see right through you. And Hardy goes on to say that you attack people's weaknesses to cover for your own insecurities, Joe. How long have you been around here? Two years and you've never won a championship? So NXT doesn't exist. And then Joe goes to attack him and is hit with a twist of fate. I really like the comeback from Jeff. You know, I thought this was actually a great segment for this feud. I I mean, I said two weeks ago when Joe appeared at that bar, I think a verbal comeback is exactly what Jeff Hardy needed. To further this rivalry, he needed to come out here and address Joe's insults head on, take responsibility for those prior actions, and then throw them right back at the guy who's teasing him about it. And that's what exactly he did here. He called out Joe for using those insults to mask his own insecurity for being a failure in his in-ring career. I mean, obviously he's not, but that's, you know, if you're just judging by titles, um, it makes sense. And 
he even got the last attack here to lay Joe out. So I thought it was a segment that J- made Jeff look like a hero who stood up to the bully using his his the bully's own game. And, you know, now it feels like it's a rivalry. It feels like it's a war. And I await to see how Joe retaliates. And they will be having their match next week on Christmas night. Mm-hmm. So Joe doesn't have to worry about the guy's demons. He's going to be... He's going to be wrestling next week. I guess not. Yeah. In theory. The Miz and uh, the Miz came out and his partner was first. They said uh, it's going to be a mixed match and then said now to reveal the Miz's mystery partner and two guys in the audience start chanting CM Punk, even though they had called it a mixed match. It was not CM Punk coming out on. The week before Christmas episode of SmackDown, it was Mandy Rose and their opponents were R-Truth and Carmella. Truth noted that they are both number 30 in their Royal Rumbles and they're going to WWE headquarters. And Truth said that they're looking forward to their match with The Miz and Maurice. Funny. Anything to add there? No, nothing, nothing. I mean, I'm trying to think about why Mandy Rose might be get, be, be put in the spot, and maybe that Maurice joke was a big part of the reason why. That was probably it. They probably had the joke, and then they worked backwards to find the mystery partner that would fit. Uh, we got a dance break. Corey Graves brought up uh, Carlton suing Fortnite over the dance, and then Carmella super kicked Mandy Rose, and Truth got hit with the skull-crushing finale from behind, and Miz and Mandy Rose won in one minute and 26 seconds. And I guess somehow this was to prove how good the Miz was and why he should be teaming with Shane McMahon. So I'm sure Vince McMahon left convinced after this. That must be it, yeah. The the dancing actually cost him the match this week. Um, You know, I think... Um, Truth and Carmella are clearly like one of the products of this mixed match challenge that actually, you know, worked. And I think it's, it's right that they were given the win. Um, now I guess they're just, their struggle is to try to find matches for the two of them together with, in, in like a non-existent division. So maybe from week to week, you'll start to see little things like this with heels teaming up with random women from the, uh, women's division. Yeah. Who knows? I cannot say I really am. All that intrigued with where the Miz Shane McMahon angle is is leading to. Yeah. Tom Phillips set up a video recap of uh, Daniel Bryan and Mustafa Ali, and this was the first time they mentioned that Ali is now a permanent member of the SmackDown roster. He's graduated. I think that's so awesome. You know, the fact that they're kind of putting those limitations out of people that are on 205 Live. And I think it probably gives a lot of hope for that entire roster so that one day they, too, could also be a part of uh, uh, the main roster. The Usos came out. They note they did not get pinned at TLC, and they call out the bar. But instead, Gallows and Anderson come out. Anderson says every week it's the same three tag teams, and they haven't been on SmackDown since August, which is crazy. It's December now. And said last week we had to watch a rap battle with all of you. Jay says, around here, if you don't step up, you get stepped on, and the Usos aren't moving for anyone. And we got a match between these two tag teams. It was joined in progress after the break. Anderson was in control of Jimmy. And then Anderson and Gallows go to the floor. Jay attempts a dive and gets hit with uh, an Anderson kick and then gets caught into the ropes and injures his knee as he goes to the floor. After the break, Jimmy shoves Anderson off the turnbuckle, delivers a pair of super kicks, then climbs to the top, 
and the bar's music hits, and Jimmy is torn. Do I complete this splash, or do I just stare down the bar who are coming a 100 feet away from me? He looked back and forth, back and forth, and then he finally hit the splash. But then Sanity ran in and attacked both of them. So the match is thrown out. Killian Dane takes out Jay on the floor. Wolf and Eric Young attack Anderson. Jimmy gets laid out. And then they pass the bar on the way out. And the bar goes into the ring and attacks the already injured Jimmy Uso and Carl Anderson. And yes, this was the uh, the reminder of the SmackDown tag division. Yeah, that there are other teams besides the the three that we keep seeing. I mean, you know, I think as far as the shakeup goes, it's nice to see new teams added to the mix to freshen things up. Um, it, I thought it was a good introduction, reintroduction for Sanity. It was nice to see Gallows and Anderson back in the mix too, but to me, like in the match, they didn't really look all that impressive at all, especially Luke Gallows, who I thought looked kind of below the standard set in this otherwise very talent-rich tag team division. Yeah, well... I mean, these, uh, these guys must have been on SmackDown at some point because they were, they were part of that whole, uh, Survivor Series team. So they had to have been on TV at least. But they had, when they got named onto the team. But they right? didn't have a match, I think is what they said, right? No, they didn't have a match. No. Well, yeah, we will see where this tag division goes. And yeah, just trying to reintroduce teams that people have forgotten about, which to be quite honest, the Usos are hardly, the people that have been taking up a lot of television time this year. So I think they have their own gripes, I would assume. Shinsuke Nakamura's promo. He's backstage and he asks, should I be afraid of this? And we got a highlight reel of Rusev on Total Divas, dressed up as a clown, barbecuing while he's naked, milking cows. This was clearly a season I missed of Total Divas that um, I wish I didn't. Rusev looked awesome on this. These were multiple uh, seasons, I think. These were all of like, this was like a compilation of the best of Rusev. Well, this really was the best of Rusev. This guy looked like, what a He's fun guy. hilarious on Divas. And we come back and Nakamura says, Rusev is a total Divas. Plural. <laughs> Can't wait yeah. for that. I would say it's quite the championship promo way. Yeah, I would say not the best promos from either man in this feud. Um, there are two men who I think struggle perhaps a little bit in that department, and therefore you kind of have to do things like rely on props, whether it be in the form of photos or, in the case of Nakamura, a highlight video from Total Divas that he put together in 30 minutes. So for next week, on Christmas night, they're promoting Shane McMahon will be on Miz TV, Nakamura versus Rusev for the United States title, Jeff Hardy versus Samoa Joe, where Corey Graves asks, can Hardy keep his demons in check and topple the Samoan submission machine? We'll find out on Christmas night. They should have a, yeah, they the should have a fight in the bar. With every Can Jeff Hardy stay sober next yeah. week? Wow. Uh, then we got a New Day promo for their uh, year in review special on Wednesday night. And then Daniel Bryan came out, cut his promo in the ring. You know, the promo was great, but coming out and the disgust he had for the gifts on the Christmas set were just as great. <laughs> he just looked disgusted at these gifts, these giant, and probably even on a deeper level, knowing that these are all props, they're all empty gifts, and it's just a large waste 
of cardboard and material for this set. Uh, that's that's an interesting interesting way to look at it. I never thought of that. Uh, we had a fan with a sign that read, "Yes, I wasted paper for this sign." That Brian just dead-eyed this guy. Uh, and you know what? Quite a wasteful sign, to be quite honest. I think there was a lot you could uh, you could hate about this crowd in this next segment. You could recycle the sign, though. I guess you could. But a, a tree still died for this, this piece of cardboard to be made. He says that he killed the Yes Movement and destroyed the house that AJ Styles built. And he's about creation and not destruction. The people fear change, and they are destroying the planet that gives them life. And Fresno are the guiltiest of all. You probably don't know the stats, but Fresno is ranked number one in pollution within the state of California. And the crowd started chanting yes. This was a this is a mark of, of honor for them to be bestowed. They're number one at something. That's what a, what a horrible thing to celebrate. He yells shame at them. He quotes Isaac Asimov, who said that self-education is the only kind of education there is for people like Isaac and I. But you people, you people wouldn't know wisdom if it was pumped full of GMOs and handed to you through a drive through window. He says, don't try self-education, Fresno, because you will fail. You have someone to show you the way and how to live the new Daniel Bryan. Great. Another fantastic promo from this. Yeah, I really liked it too. It's it's such a shame that maybe, you know, this guy is so against having t-shirts and whatnot because I feel like all that's really missing from the package is just like some type of logo, you know, some type of like real symbol that he can use to just like tie it all together. But um, nonetheless, uh, he continues to be very entertaining. He should wear something like biodegradable or something. Hmm. Yeah, somebody suggested hemp for the championship belt, which he didn't seem to change. Yeah, there was no change to this championship, as was teased. Mm-hmm. I, somebody also mentioned, and I must have missed this on TLC, but somebody mentioned that Graves said that the belt was already changed, which I don't see how they would have done so quickly, but okay. Hmm. You know what he should do on the Christmas edition? He should get a Christmas present, and it's his new title. That's a great idea. Main event was Daniel Bryan, Andrade Cien Almas against AJ Styles and Mustafa Ali. What a combination of these four. This yeah, I certainly didn't expect this main event when I uh, tuned into SmackDown today. I mean, it's a match that got me legitimately excited on paper. It's the type of match where you, like, if you had the choice of walking through backstage at SmackDown and picking your your tag team match with any four people here, I would Pick a match that looked just like this, regardless of, you know, brand or rank on the roster. Give me Ali. Give me give me CN and put them all together with AJ and Brian. I think, I mean, it, it kind of perplexes me that they were going this route. And But, you know, it's also like a period where I guess ratings aren't as important. So you could take risks like this. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of this is they're looking at, well, who has not been utilized? And let's just get them on there. Like, there was really no rhyme or reason for Daniel Bryan and Andrade to be teaming together. It seemed it was just, let's get new faces onto the show and not the, not the, the, not the same old. Just 
you know, whether it was Anderson, Gallows, Almas, um, you know, sanity on the show. It just seemed to be people were not using. Let's just get new faces onto the you show. You think uh, with a move like this, they are going to be looking at ratings, you know, and, and seeing how well this main event performs? Or do you see do you think that they might not expect all that much from this? Uh, no, I think this week they are going to be looking at the numbers. And and I do feel like SmackDown typically goes the way of Raw. So I do expect SmackDown to be up um, anyway. I think that there is some curiosity to see what kind of changes would permeate over to SmackDown. But the next two weeks are kind of numbers that I, I wouldn't put any stock into. But yeah, I'm sure this week they – I'm sure they took it as a positive on Monday. And I'm sure they're going to be looking at, at this number. If they – happen to fall under 2 million viewers again. I think that would be a big disappointment. Well, I think show. to put like untested commodities like Mustafa Ali and and Andrade Almas in the main event is risk-taking, don't you think? Well, and with Ali, they're like you have to do a title match, I would say on TV coming out of this. Yeah. So you have to put them in a in a main event slot on, on TV. I thought they were going to, before the show ended, announce this for next week. Um, but yeah, they are going to have to do that at some point. Maybe they'll even do it next week. So the advantage is on Ali at the beginning. Uh, he came, came back with his rolling face buster, uh, was working with Brian for a lot. And Ali was in this for a long time. Uh, Brian had him in a lion tamer after the break. And then almost uh, delivered a splash as he tagged in. And Brian starts delivering the kicks, and Almas is doing the yes chant on the apron, which didn't seem to be up to speed with the new Daniel Bryan. So I didn't know really understand that part. Brian applied a surfboard, turned it into a dragon sleeper. Ali gets the rope break. And then Almas is in. He goes for his moonsault into the standing moonsault, lands on Ali's knees, and that gives him the opening to tag in AJ. AJ's in. Uh, Brian ducked the phenomenal forearm, but then gets caught in the calf crusher, almost broke it up, and then Ali, from the steps, jumped off and went for a Hurricane Rana, but lost his footing, so couldn't hit it properly onto Almas. Brian stops the Styles Clash, hits him with a pair of kicks, and then Styles lands a reverse DDT, Ali comes in, tilt-a-whirl DDT to Brian, and then as he's climbing up for the 054, he elbows Almas off. Styles hits the phenomenal forearm to Almas, and Ali is left at the top, hits the 054, and pins Daniel Bryan. They went 17 minutes and 40 seconds, a very lengthy main event, and, you know, clearly going significantly with Mustafa Ali to make him, uh, not just some call up that gets forgotten about to give him something impactful. Mm-hmm. It was a decision that really surprised me, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Bryan himself might have fought for this. I thought the main event was good, um, but because I feel like Sienna and Ali are so new to this audience, they needed to impress everybody here. I thought they were good, but I felt the performances to be, you know, just typical at a time when I feel like they needed to be excellent. I was really happy to see, like, uh, the return of, of Daniel Bryan doing moves like the inverted surfboard into a dragon sleeper and then even saying, I have till five to the referee really, I think signifying that, Hey, like this is him in his prime again. So, uh, I thought it was a good match. However, I think they made a big statement with the booking of that finish and I really like it. I think this is how you really, if you want to freshen things up, you got to do shocking finishes like this where 
new stars are potentially made coming out of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like they need to make people and you got to do, you got to do stuff like this um, when you're introducing people because you just get lost in the pack really quick. And yeah, this can lead to a TV match. I don't think it hurts Brian. It's great for Ali. And I, I enjoyed the main event. I thought that the focus was Ali and that was kind of the, the end result uh, at the end of this was he was, you know, introduced with more than just um, a momentary push. He was given something of substance right out, right out of the gate. And I think him and Brian will have they'll, they'll have a great match whenever they do that title match. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, tapings, taping results from uh, that are t- taking place at the moment. I'm not going to go into spoilers, but uh, Ali does not face Brian yet next week. OK. So maybe they'll do that at, you know, another SmackDown in a few weeks. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, as far as like a fresh start, I thought this edition of SmackDown delivered a lot more than Raw. We actually saw some new faces. We saw revamped tag team division or at least somewhat of a revamped tag team division. Um, and I thought it was like taking a lot of risk in the main event to put, uh, again, uncontest, uh, untested commodities like Ali and, and Almas up there in the main event, along with Brian and AJ. So uh, I liked the direction. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, the show didn't, you know, hit me as a great show, but I really did like the ending involving Mustafa Ali. I thought that was a big positive on the show. I think. I really fear that this that this knee jerk reaction is just going to be the McMahons all over television, and this show certainly didn't uh, didn't derail those thoughts for me. Um, I, I thought Vince McMahon was actually pretty bad on this show, um, and I just see that that's the direction they're going to be going. That you're going to be getting the McMahons just back and forth on every show and in lots of segments where. Uh, that's going to cut into television time, especially on, on this show where, again, when you're bringing up people from NXT and no one's no one's leaving, it's just more bodies and everyone fighting for television time. Um, I, I think it's it's always going to be that struggle. Yeah. And again, like I'm trying to throughout this whole thing, try and trying to understand what their definition of like change and, and fresh start is. And it seems to largely largely just mean injecting like underutilized talent or new talent into the mix and at the very least i felt like this edition of smackdown followed up on that promise yeah and it's it's a tough time of the year as well to be instituting something like that where like once we get to wrestlemania season you know all the major names that are going to be accounted for that you're probably going to have some people coming back and you know, where is a Mustafa Ali going to become WrestleMania? I guess that's going to be kind of your your litmus test. And where are some of these call-ups going to end up at WrestleMania time? Certainly some of them could catch fire and they'll be taken care of. But it's it's a very difficult time of the year to try starting to make new stars when you're kind of going into your big show of the year where there's a heavy reliance on the people that are already viewed as stars. Yeah, I mean, come WrestleMania season, I think, um, you know, they're probably going to be a lot more hands on with main events and making sure that, uh, the people that are actually getting needing focus and they're prim- are getting the prime spots on TV. This, I think this and next week and the week after that are probably the three least important editions of Raw and SmackDown where you could take chances like this. But, you know, it's, I'm glad that there are things like this. I much prefer this than what we got on uh, to close Monday show. 
All right. Well, that was SmackDown. Let us head to the forum and see what everybody thought of SmackDown. On a scale of 1 to 10, um, you got to actually make a vote, John, before you could see the oh. results. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to give my vote then. A 7.11 was the result. Very favorable result for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. We start with Mark from Vaughn. Love that Mustafa Ali got a spotlight tonight, but I hope the knees he landed on Brian on the finish didn't do much damage. Timing couldn't be worse for a botch. Brian seemed like he couldn't keep his right shoulder on the mat after impact, and the cameras didn't show him again after that. Is he talking about the 054? Yes. Hmm. I didn't really notice um, the point of impact, but um, he also kind of had a little flub with the Hurricane Rana. I mean, at a time yeah. where... Where I think, you know, like he, the biggest, like the, the, his first SmackDown main event where he probably couldn't afford it. But at the same time, I mean, I can understand that nerves might be attached to it and I don't think it'll be held against him. We got a scrump from Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh, wow. I only tuned into the show when I found out that fellow Chicago boy Mustafa Ali was now a permanent member and was main eventing. I'm happy to see the Good Brothers insanity being thrown into the mix as I've been getting bored with the tag scene only involving the New Day, the Bar, and the Usos. With Ali getting the pin in the main event, do you guys see this leading to any sort of real push or will he be lost in the shuffle come Royal Rumble? I think that that will be answered by... Six weeks from now, I think that he'll definitely get a title match with Brian in, in the meantime before the Rumble when you have all that time. Uh, but is this just going to be one of those pushes that they push a guy for a couple weeks and then he's forgotten afterwards? I mean, that's the pessimistic side of me. Um, yeah, we'll see. I think I think it's I, I think it's it, it's hard to predict that you know one week is going to create a star that they're going to see as somebody like that because. It just typically doesn't work that way a lot no. of the time. In no way do I think, like, you know, Mustafa Ali will end up, like, uh, becoming WWE champion or anything like that. I, I just kind of see this as more like your Spike Dudley type of push and that I think coming out of it, Mustafa Ali might fulfill a role like that, perhaps eventually find himself in a tag team. Um I think it largely also depends on how well he, he connects with this audience in this short amount of time. And it's going to take... I think a lot from him. I hope he gets to cut more promos because I think he really shines in that department too. So uh, it's dependent on how much chance he's been, he, he'll be given to really be something special. And uh, it'll depend on his performances too. We go Next to... Next up is... Di- sorry. Yes. Oh, sorry. Fin- finish your thought. I think it was you. I was just about to read, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, Dan writes, WWE's renewed fetish fetishization of the McMahon family is seriously off-putting. Do they honestly expect anyone to get over as a star when they place management on such a high pedestal? Honestly feels like I'm watching an old rerun of The Apprentice where a bunch of geeks try to impress a lunatic billionaire in the hopes of a promotion. Beyond that, it was a solid show. Mustafa Ali's elevation to SmackDown was great. The guy is super talented and has a lot of potential. Tangentially, it also makes 205 Live more interesting now, knowing these guys can move on to bigger and better things. Six out of ten. 
We got a Jalen from Pickering who says, Welcome back, John. So in two nights, there have been three title matches for people that didn't do anything to deserve it. Open challenges and surprise defenses lose their intrigue and devalue actually being the number one contender when they're so infrequent. Brian's great and he's giving me straight edge society CM Punk vibes. Someone like Austin Aries but rating people by his side would be great. But unless I missed it, what happened to him getting an eco-friendly championship? Yeah, I'm guessing that was just uh, something he came up with in the promo that wasn't necessarily uh, promised to him or agreed with him. Yeah, with the Brian character, like he's doing great uh, with the promos, and I think everyone's enjoying this character. You don't want to go too far that it becomes so comedic that you have a hard time taking this guy seriously as champion. And I think there's a line. There's a line that... He has not crossed at this point, but I think you have to be mindful of as well, given that he's in a the top heel spot on We got to Ed, who says, SmackDown was much better than Raw tonight again. Most storylines and angles on the show make sense, and it helps with the show being only two hours. I loved having Ali and Almas in the main event and hope to see them continue to be pushed. One question, though, is it me or does Vince seem to lose his train of thought on promos now? I don't blame him as he's being 75, but I feel like he didn't make complete sense lately on the mic thoughts yeah we kind of talked about that earlier today i mean i kind of attributed to not only you know perhaps being a little older but also probably not being in front of the camera and not being as seasoned as he used to be so you know if from what it sounds like it's not even necessarily his choice that he uh you know wants to be a regularly occurring character on tv so um i think that this point and this idea of him not necessarily being all that great on TV anymore probably isn't lost on him. Uh, yeah, and th- this to me isn't a new thing. Like he's been kind of this this parody of Vince McMahon for a long time, and it's just you know he goes off on different directions in, in promos. It just seems that you know he just kind of goes with whatever comes to him. That's what it feels like. Paul from New Jersey. Great hearing Nate Milton last night. I really enjoyed the stuff he did for the U.S. election in 2016. Two questions for you guys. Do you think Lacey Evans is ready for the main roster? And do you think Mandy Rose has the potential to be a main event talent? Wait, what are I, your thoughts on, on I mean, Lacey I Evans? Th- I think she is probably good enough to fulfill a spot on the roster. I mean, if we're talking about like you know, Mandy Rose and Lana being ready, then I, I do feel like Lacey Evans is ready. The question is, is she ready for a main event spot in the mix up there with Charlotte and Becky and Asuka? Like, in Ronda, you know, we're talking about a time in the women's divisions now on both ends where you you kind of have to be a real level up there. Um, You know, obviously, I think time will still continue to give somebody like Lacey Evans time to improve. Um, But at the moment, I, I think she is still a bit of a ways away from that. Yeah. I, I think that if, if kind of the, the line now is kind of that main event level, um, I don't know if I'd want to be adding another Lana to the mix or even another, like Mandy Rose, I do think does have potential. I would have liked to have seen her stay in NXT for a lot longer than she did. Uh, Lacey Evans, I think the character is going to have to evolve. I think it's a very campy gimmick. I didn't even think it got, over all that much in NXT, and I don't know how it's going to fare on the main roster either. I mean, she is she is essentially playing like like Peggy Carter, and f- as though she was living in that 
time period as well. Like it's it's a very strange character that I don't I'm I don't find all that appealing to begin with. So I, I don't know how that transition is going to go for her. But and you um, and it really makes you wonder exactly what the role of NXT is when I I, I you know I agree that you know her reactions in X, at full sale aren't necessarily the best yet isn't that the time to really retool a character before she is actually ready to be called up to the main roster and instead we're just seeing her like hey gimmick's not really going over that great but you know what let's bring her up anyway so what exactly is the role of an NXT as a developmental territory. Well, as I said, like what I had heard was that they wanted people that had, you know, strong characters and maybe they looked at it and they think this is a home run. Yeah. You know, it could be one of those things. Like Again, look at the drifter, you know, like some gimmicks might translate better on the main roster than they do at full sale. Yeah. And I'm sure that track record has probably swayed them to maybe lean towards those those heavy characters that maybe are you look at the depth chart at NXT uh, these people may not have been at the top of everyone's list, but they are the ones that they think are going to transfer the best. And the character work is is one of those decision makers. And when, when you look at all of these people, like none of them were involved in like top programs. Uh, some had been in some some bigger stuff before, but now, um, you know, you're not taking out the the heart of NXT with these call ups either. Hmm. Finally, we got an evil who says. I have not watched a full episode of the main roster since Backlash 2018. I've been keeping up through the Post Wrestling Cafe and YouTube, so I thank you guys very much. The new Daniel Bryan and the women's subtle picture have me interested in the show again. The opening segment was good. I like how they rescripted Asuka and Naomi's match with Asuka. I like how they rescripted Asuka and Naomi's match. It was pretty good, much better than I expected. It's the first time I've ever cared about Naomi. Almost everyone's promos on the show were really good. Miz is a comedic genius and deserves best on the mic this year. I usually have vanilla, I usually hate how vanilla Jeff Hardy's promos are, but he pulled out one of his, but the, but he pulled this one off great. His delivery felt really genuine. I've given up on Shinsuke though. I've lost complete faith in him and whoever picked out his recent attire needs a low blow. Yesterday I was pissed when I saw new call-ups because Andrade doesn't even get TV time. So when I saw this main event, I was pretty excited and it delivered. Everyone looked great on Mustafa. Getting the pin was huge. Raw still seems like an un- unwatchable dumpster fire, but SmackDown is really intriguing right now. Right now. All right. Thanks, everybody, for the feedback. Seems a lot more positivity coming out of SmackDown uh, than Raw on Monday night. Uh, Next week, it is the taped editions of the show. So you can get spoilers ahead of time of what is happening on both shows. Way and I, next week, we will not be doing shows on Monday and Tuesday night. Instead, for the next two weeks, uh, we'll be doing shows on Wednesday, going over both Raw and SmackDown, a kind of a... Miniature version of both shows as we'll go through the highlights and lowlights of both shows. That's right. Yeah. And in its place next Monday, of course, again, is our annual Christmas show. One year of post wrestling, postwrestling.com. That'll be free for everybody. And uh, as John mentioned earlier this week uh, or earlier today, I mean, uh, if you are a double double ice cap or a special patron, you can live stream our best of show as we record it from the post office tomorrow night wednesday 9 p.m eastern for everybody else on youtube and on your free post wrestling feeds it will be available on friday so tune into all of that hope to have many of you tuning in live wednesday night 9 30 eastern 
Best of Show will drop for everybody on Friday. So that is it for us. And oh, of and, course, you- and the double shot. Yes, the double shot is coming up next. You can go now if you are a member of the cafe. Way and I are going to be chatting about the Leaving the Territories edition of Being the Elite. We're also going to go over uh, the Becky Lynch Chronicle episode. And we're also going to chat about the Golden Lovers versus Hiroshi Tanahashi Will Ospreay match from New Japan's Korkun Hall show on Saturday. Lots to discuss on the double shot. You can go grab that now. And we'll be back later this week with the best of 2018.